Welcome to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Wong, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is a place where you'll be guided to living your most aligned life so that your truest, most radiant self can emerge. We'll be jamming on topics ranging from spirituality, entrepreneurship, to wellness and lifestyle design, and everything in between that can support you to grow, evolve, and shine, all the while not taking ourselves too seriously. So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sacred Emergence. I am so, so excited to introduce to you all our guests for today. Rachel Pope is joining us from Australia, and Rachel is an author and a grief specialist. I'm so excited for this conversation. Um, I'm just like, before we hit the record button, Rachel was just sharing like just the depth that she knows around grief and the different layers. So welcome to the show, Rachel. I'm so excited for having you here. Thanks, Michelle. And thanks for having me too, all the way across the globe. Oh my goodness, I'm so <laughs> excited. Yeah, so um, we were talking about like how grief is, there's so many layers to grief. And, um, and like, I think it's one of those topics where we don't talk about because it's kind of awkward and it, and it never really feels good. Um, and especially with where we are right now with the pandemic and even without a pandemic, but there's just, how do we navigate grief? Um, and yeah, and I know like you have your own story. So why don't we start there? Just how you started doing grief work. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. I'd love to share my story. And, it, you know, it is something that um, is not talked about. And I'm so passionate about lifting the lid on these conversations. Um, for me, my grief journey started at age 17. I lost my dad. He was 47. And I was training to be a pilot at the time, which is a really exciting career. And it's an age where, you, you know, you're just starting out in the world and uh, all my friends going to uni and, um, you know, you feel like you're just beginning your adult journey. And my dad was diagnosed with aggressive bowel cancer and uh, passed away six short weeks later. So it was very mm -hmm. fast and our whole family, you know, our world was turned upside down. Um, and being 17, you're not equipped to deal with that and nor are all your friends and people around you know how to support you. So I just threw myself into flying and partying like you do when you're 17 and, um, and just, you know, buried it deep, um, even though I had, you know, very supportive family and we're all just navigating it the best way we knew how. Um, it was, you know, just something that I felt completely lost and, um, and didn't have anyone to talk to. Uh, fast track eight years later, my eldest brother was killed in a car accident mm. uh, and he, um, uh, one of four, so three older brothers and he was our eldest brother and a very, very special man. He, he grew up um, as a paraplegic and spent his life in a wheelchair and was just this amazing human who was a big connector of people and a big connector in our family too. So with that, um, you know, our whole our whole world again was just you know thrown upside down with another death, and and that to me was just the catalyst into why me and being victim, and you know this is really terrible, and um, again it brought up the grief of my dad, um, knowing that I hadn't really dealt or processed that too. That was a big turning point for me. I gave up my flying and I had met my husband at the time and, and we wanted to start a family and, and I just looked ahead and thought, you know, no, that's not the career for me. So 
we um, we moved to the beautiful Sunshine Coast, which is where I live now, and started our family. And I discovered early learning, and um, we purchased a franchise, a Jimbaroo franchise, which is a um, a play based early learning um, program. And I just again felt like I was you know starting a new career, and and everything was great. And two weeks after we uh, signed the papers to purchase that business, my husband was diagnosed with the same cancer as my dad. Mm. So you can imagine, um, you know, from my previous experience too was, oh, my gosh, you're going to be gone in six weeks' time. It was just uh, hell, you know, it was living hell to think how are we going to navigate this. We stayed very, very positive and we had 16 months um, with Mm. him at home. The children were only little um, and devastatingly he passed away in in, uh, October 2012 from the same cancer at the same age as my father. Wow. So it was a full circle grief journey for me, um, not only being, you know, widowed so young and, and our children were four and six, it was also all this grief came bubbling up again from my dad and my brother and other losses that I, you know, experienced along the way. And uh, when I went looking for resources and books on grief to try and, you know, make sense of it all, I, I could only find a lot of sort of clinical books and the five stages of grief, which is actually a myth. The five stages were actually written about someone with a terminal diagnosis. They're not mm. um, actually the stages that you go through grieving a loss. And uh, so I started journaling and writing and, and formed a community online and the more feedback I got from sharing my story um, was that people, you know, could relate that they felt very isolated in their grief, that they, from all sorts of grief, from pregnancy loss and divorce mm. and, you know, any kind of loss. Um, and uh, the more feedback I got, the more encouragement I um, received to write my book. So I wrote a book in 2019 um, called Gifts from Grief, and that was just my process on how to... Um, live wholeheartedly post-loss because I knew that I was still standing for a reason and my kids, you know, were looking at me the whole time. And unfortunately, I'd put on the Be Strong um, mask for so long and keep busy and that we're all taught, you know, in society to how to deal with grief and that time heals all wounds and all of these things that we tell ourselves to try and um, process it, but none of those are true or helpful and I fell in a heap three years after, you know, just running my business and having two kids that I thought there's got to be more to this. There's got to be more support out there. So I went and studied and um, be, uh, did a grief recovery specialist um, training uh, with a psychologist here in WA and Australia and became certified to run online programs to support people in grief. And Grief is, you know, like you mentioned before, in all sorts and all forms with the pandemic as well. It's the grief recovery methods definition of grief is, you know, the conflicting feelings that we uh, experience with any change in familiar pattern or behaviour. And that covers a lot of things. So, you know, when we're grieving moving heart, moving states and we're grieving the loss of a support network or loss of business or finances, loss of a job, uh, physical um, illness, things like that, loss of our independence. So mm. grief is, you know, it's wide. And uh, my work in the world now is helping people navigate unresolved grief because that's where the pain lies. And so a lot of people have unresolved grief bubbling like I did with, you know, having not um, dealt with loss of, of so many people close to me. 
um, it's a way that we can move beyond the pain and still live a life wholeheartedly after loss and hold on to the love um, but, you know, let go of the pain. So that's my story and how I came to be doing this work. Wow. I just commend you. That's like, that's a lot to experience from such a young age and then to, you know, experience more deaths in your family. And at the same time, it's like you turn that into like your work now, which I think is incredible. So like, thank you. Cause it's like, until like I met you, it's like, I didn't really know that much about like grief. I think for me is just like feeling my feelings and like lots of tears and like, you know, this is with breakups, but like, mm-hmm. um, like there's just so many layers that I don't actually even think about, like what you were saying about like change, losing a support. I mean, it is grief. And sometimes I feel like what you were saying, like putting on that, that strong shield or mask, um, it's like, it's kind of like what we're taught. Mm-hmm. We're taught that and, you know, we're taught don't feel sad or replace the loss you know that's another one and we model that to our kids too and I really recognized um the relationship with my children how they were viewing me as this strong woman who you know didn't show their emotions grieve alone I'd cry in the shower after they went to bed and um it wasn't until I you know studied the grief recovery method and helping children with loss uh, as well that the best gift we can give to them is to be human mm. and to show these emotions and to release these daily and feel your emotions um, that that's normal and it's about you know finding the next inspired action once you release that and not not pushing it down and not putting it under the carpet the education comes in you know helping people be there for others so that that we don't have to brush it under the carpet and that's a big big topic as well because people don't know what to say so they don't say anything at all yeah so that's very common yeah I find that there's like avoidance right because you don't want to like like I know like I say I don't know what to say or it's like I also want to give somebody space. I don't want to always like, oh, how are you doing? And then they may not want to talk about it. So say, like, how do you like, if you don't mind sharing, like the like, how would you approach someone who's experienced death and you're a friend of theirs? Yeah, well, the first thing I say is that it's in acknowledgement. It's it's in not doing the avoidance because people fear upsetting them. Well, the thing is they're already upset. You're not going to mm-hmm. upset them anymore. And so it's just in that acknowledgement and and if you don't know what to say, it's by saying, hey, I don't know what to say, but Mm -hmm. I'm here for you. It's when we then dive into all the platitudes of at least this and at least you were young, you can remarry or with pregnancy loss, at least you can try again. All those things are logical and true, but they're not helpful. So we need to take a step back and just um, um, be there and be a heart with ears and listening is the most important thing. And and people just want to feel acknowledged. So it's about showing up, you know, way long after when everybody's disappeared because in those first few months people have everyone around them and then, you know, six months, a year down the track, everyone's got on with their lives and that's when the loneliness, you know, in isolation hits because you feel you feel like you can't talk about it. And so it's just about providing that space and checking in anniversaries holidays things like that are always really difficult times for people in grief Mm. so it's just about you know sending a message sending something to say hey I'm thinking of you I know this is a hard time for you 
Um, we don't know how other people feel, so we can't tell them how they feel and say, I know how you feel. Um, you know, I lost my grandma or I've, you know, experienced this. Uh, comparison also, you know, robs people of dignity with their loss because we can't compare losses. Every, every loss is felt at 100% and is unique and individual to each griever. So a significant loss to someone is a significant loss, no matter what type that is. So, yeah, acknowledgement is the key and to keep showing up and, and just keep letting them know that you're there for them. Mm. And like you were talking about with children, um, like being a model for children, I feel like what, like, yeah, it's like we, we're models and if we're not, you know, doing it quote unquote correctly. <laughs> so like, what would you say are like some great ways to just start just so that the child feels safe, I guess, right? That's right. It's all about going first and telling stories and, and you know, obviously age appropriate to the child, whether they're little or whether they're teenagers. It's about um, letting them know how you feel. I can share a story. I remember when the kids were um, really little um, right after Ray's, my husband's death, that we were doing making funeral arrangements and I was bawling in the car. I had to take them with me for one of the appointments and then we had to stop at the grocery store to get uh, food for dinner we're going through the checkout and what's the first person, the first thing that that person says is, hi, how was your day? And, you know, I'm fine. Yep, all is good. And you've got these little eyes looking up at you going, uh, 10 minutes ago, she was not fine. And, um, okay, no, we can't be sad. And we definitely can't be sad in public. And we've got to put on the fine feeling inside, not expressed in front of other people. Mm. And so looking back on that, you know, the, the better way to model that is to just tell your emotional truth all the time and to say to that person, of course, we're not going to unload all the details of what's going on in our life, but we can say, no, hey, I've had a really challenging day, but mm. we're going home now and, you know, we're going to have a, a really nice dinner. And that to the kids are saying, yeah, she's acknowledging that she's, you know, having a challenge and is upset at the moment. So it's about modeling first grief comes with grief comes a lot of triggers you know you could be fine one minute and hear a song on the radio and just you know be an, an emotional mess or see something that reminds you of your loved one and for me now I can sit in that moment and stop and recognize what is the emotion that I'm feeling is it sadness is it anger is it frustration what is it and um and then what can I do about it next so it's having that little release and I can say to the kids now oh gosh that that song makes me feel so sad I remember the time when you know your dad and I were on holidays and this reminds me of that and and so it makes them feel oh it's okay to be sad and it's okay to talk about it so hopefully you know what I'm modeling as they teenagers now that when something happens at school and it could be, you know, trivial to you, but to them it could be big that they will come to me and go, hey, you know, this really upset me today. And instead of jumping in and trying to fix it like we do as, as parents and say, don't feel sad, here, come and have a cookie, you know, replace yeah. the loss, let's move through it, let's emotionally eat or do something to, to get over this and that, that'll make you feel better for a minute but it doesn't acknowledge or allow them to express what they're actually feeling. So mm. with children, it's all about going first and um, and sharing stories and saying, I remember the time I didn't get picked for the team and I felt really, you know, let down and upset and, and unworthy and all those things so that you're, you're attaching an emotion to the story and you're allowing them 
to see that it's okay to feel that way and that it's normal and it's a normal reaction to any loss um, and so that they feel safe to express the same. Oh my goodness. Like, I just feel like this, like, I know like the topic is grief, but this is really around like how to be human and be okay with your emotions. Like that's really like, mm -hmm. if we go even deeper, right. Um, Cause it, it's, it all goes back to like faking that fake face at the strong, <laughs> like putting up that strong, you know, I can, I got this. Um, and this is like, yeah, if we keep suppressing our emotions, then we can become bullies or be mean to other people. It's because of the unprocessed feelings. Absolutely. And then we have certain behaviors that we go to, to energy release those in a, in a negative way. And whether that be emotional eating or anger, lash right. outs or isolation, you know, shutting yourself out from people. There's all these, you know, excessive exercise or shopping, you know, fill our void. So they're all things that we go to because we don't feel okay to express. And, and you're right. It's all about expressing your emotions and recognizing that grief is an emotion, mm -hmm. that it, it's an umbrella for all of these emotions. Um, and when we dive deeper into it, we recognize Where's the pain attached? Is it regret for something that we, you know, didn't say or do to um, that relationship that has ended? Or is it anger because, you know, we're um, blaming? Or is it shame around, you know, something that's happened to us in our childhood? There's a loss of innocence there with abuse. So mm -hmm. there's, there's so many layers to grief as an emotion um, and it's recognising what that emotion is and then, taking you know what's the next inspired action for me to process that do I need rest am I running myself to the ground keeping busy do I need to talk to somebody do I need to journal and write out you know this anger um so yeah there's there's so many layers to those emotions but it's it's a steam kettle that will just you know come to a point of explosion if we don't release it mm. yeah yeah one of the um like as you were talking, I was just thinking like, but there is like, there's always another side to grief, right? Like there's, I feel like at the end of the day, it's like the feeling of, okay, like I got this, like it's freedom and more joy. And like, um, like, I guess like for your experience, how has that been for you? Just being able to like come out on the other side. Do you feel like, do you feel like when, like you're, when you're doing the work that you're getting closer, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's, it's and, yeah. like, yeah, it's like any personal work and, and, and dealing with those emotions. It's um, ongoing and it's a choice I make every day because, because I've done the work and because I've done recovery and completion around anything that was unresolved with all the relationships of my past and loss that I can remember the good times and I can um, honour them by living my best life and I always say the best way you can honour somebody is you know be a little bit more about what you loved about them so I can mm. think of that person and go wow they gave me the gift of adventure and, and my book has 12 chapters on 12 gifts and one of them is the gift of adventure or the gift of compassion if you know my brother was a very compassionate giving person so I can do things that honor him because that's what he taught me and that's the gift that he gave me um so by doing that daily and and you know making a choice to not stay in any pain and not stay in any victimhood even and it's so so hard and and for people to let go of that because you know sometimes we want to stay in that to hold on to that person mm -hmm. and to hold on to the love because we feel if we do move forward that we're actually dishonoring or letting go 
of them. And that's what I teach. It's the other way around. You know, we need to live our life um, and create new memories. And, and the grief never goes away. The sadness never goes away. And that's a normal emotion. The sadness sits in your heart forever. But we can allow our heart to expand and we can allow more, you know, love and adventure and things to come into our life um, because it doesn't take up so much room anymore if we, mm. if we don't allow it to take up our whole, you know, heart space filled with sadness, then that's when it, it affects our capacity for happiness. Yeah, I actually love what you said. Like there's, it's always like the sadness will always be there. It's almost like, oh, good. It's not something that you have to erase. Like it's okay to feel mm -hmm. sad, right? It's like when we think about a happy memory, like we're always going to be happy when you think about it. Mm. <laughs> so it's almost That's like permission right. to feel sad too when you think about a certain thing. Um, mm -hmm. So I love that. It's just like having that awareness that, yeah, permission to feel sad or on this topic or on this person. Um, Otherwise, I feel like a lot of times there's like guilt around like, oh, I'm still feeling sad or I haven't gotten over it yet. When mm -hmm. probably is like, it's not something you need to get over. No. And that, that time heals all wounds myth mm -hmm. is a big one because the danger in that is that, you know, people will say to you, oh, you know, you'll be right after the first anniversary or, you know, just take, give, give it some time and the truth is, you know, we don't break our arm and pull up a chair and go, I'll just give it some time to heal itself. You know, we have to take some small correct action steps to, um, you know, allow that arm to heal and, and do some work and get some support and get some people to help heal it. So it's the same with grief work. It's, you know, without action, there can't be any change when it comes to doing some work around that heart space. Um, and the thing is that if the sadness, if there's pain attached to the sadness, that's where the unresolved issues are. Mm. It's okay to feel sad and it's okay to feel those things, all those emotions, but pain is pain and we don't need to carry pain. And a lot of us are carrying, you know, pain from, from our childhood, from, you know, all this big backpack of rocks that we're carrying around with us because we've never given ourselves time to face it and, it's like anything you you know to heal it you need to feel it so mm -hmm. we do need to address it and, and find out where the pain sits and a lot of people come to my program with um a particular loss and they end up working on something completely different mm. so it's because the recent loss has brought up that from you know a long time ago uh so yeah that's that's quite common can you give an example of like pain versus this, just the sadness of it? Like what would be an example of like holding on to pain? Um, holding on to pain is again, just relation relating to that unresolved and uncommunicated feelings and okay. um, communications around a particular relationship. So with the parent, it might be something that, you know, was never said or done or that they mm. weren't there for you or it's, um, you weren't seen or heard and and you you know spent your whole life trying to build this relationship with somebody and then they pass and it's all this you know um pain attached to it's 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 about giving up the hope of a, a different past because right. we can't change the past but we can start a new relationship based on us doing the work around our forgiveness and our apologies and all those things that were unsaid and unmet um, and grief is, you know, reaching out for someone that's always been there for you and to find they're no longer there. But mm. it can also be reaching out 
for someone who is still here um, but they're still they're still not there for you so mm. there's pain attached to that um, and pain is about yeah when it limits your capacity for happiness sadness can be felt and sadness can be you know um, when we have that big cry and we feel good after that's because we're just allowing that sadness emotion pain is something that sits all in your body you know it's that all encompassing Mm -hmm. I just wanted things to be different and that's all about your own communications and your own you know undelivered communications so Mm -hmm. completion comes around working through those and getting them down and out yeah got it got it yeah yeah Yeah. no I get it yeah that's great um yeah and so let's like in terms of like the pandemic because I know some people who they found just like losing the community or just face-to-face interactions it's been hard for people um and so like how would you navigate that with someone yeah, I think it's all about finding new connections and finding new ways. It depends on your personality where you all know people that have embraced and gone, I love this. I just love, you know, not having to put on that social mask and go out of me. And then there are other people who just crave that social interaction and just, you know, really missing and grieving, being able to get out and just constantly socialise and have they, they thrive on face-to-face communication. And for other people, they've really relished in it and gone, this has given me all the space that I need and and, um, to thrive. And so I think it's about recognising what you're actually missing. Is it the connection or is it the routine um, where, you know, having routine where you're just so on autopilot that you get up and you go to the gym and you get your coffee and you get to work and all those things and all of a sudden that routine is wiped out from underneath you then you need to create your own routine at Mm. home and do things that give you that purpose with routine. Um, When it comes to social interaction, I guess it's about things like this and communities and and being a part of communities so that you can connect and have face-to-face Zoom contact. I know it's still not the same, but it's still something. Mm -hmm. And and it's just really recognising what it is that you're grieving, what part of it. If it's support, then, you know, it's about getting having to get that virtual support if you're used to having physical support around you then checking in with yourself and recognizing I really need support right now and and what's out there what can I plug into that's going to give me that emotional support or that you know um, business support or something that's that you're missing because you're not getting it in a physical form yeah Mm, I love that yeah and I feel like um, I think like just with the whole pandemic it shifted how I feel like whenever I talk to people around the pandemic and stuff it's at the end of the day it's like they've had to well everyone's had to like navigate and shift with it but I think at the end of the day it's like a deeper reflection of themselves and like really looking at their values and what's really important to them and so I think there is like there's definitely a silver lining there of that inner reflection Absolutely. And do you know what I I felt when it came for us? I mean, I know we're not experiencing the same uh, magnitude that that you are. It's um, we did have a, a, you know, a lockdown for a period of time with the kids at home and things. And when it initially happened, I just this wave of just familiarity came over me and it's like, oh, I've been here before Mm. and I'm not feeling what other people are feeling and I'm not reacting in panic and I'm not reacting in you know, the whole world's, you know, my whole world has ended and 
I was just like, oh, this is interesting. And, you know, it was this feeling of like, I've been here before. I've experienced loneliness and isolation. Mm. I've experienced, you know, loss of support groups and things that disappeared, you know, long after I needed it. And I've, I've experienced having to navigate my kids through difficult challenges and mm. things like that. So it was a reflection for me to go, what can I do to support this? And people who are, who are this is completely unfamiliar for them. And they've had a complete change in their familiar patterns. And so, yeah, I just kind of kicked into help mode and organised food drops and just did what I, you know, could for families that were isolated in their houses. And um, and for me it was, yeah, just this familiar feeling of I've, I've been here before, I've experienced this because it was grief. Yeah. Mm, that's really great. And um yeah, I mean, even like the simple things, right? Like a food drop, like <laughs> that's so helpful, you know, because it takes energy and like food nourishes mm-hmm. us. So that's a great, like, you know, I would say better than flowers, but I don't know, it depends on the person. But yeah. Totally. <laughs> well, in grief, it's where the, you know, the five love languages in, in uh, when, when a friend is in need, it's where your love language comes out the most. Mm. And whether that's, you know, turning up and cleaning the house of an act of service or whether it's sending a beautiful gift just for no reason. Um, or whether it's the emotional support, support and words of affirmation and telling somebody they're doing great and that, you know, it's in crisis that our, you know, what we love happened to us, happening to us when we're in crisis is what we show to other people. So it's recognising your strengths and going, hey, I'm really good at connecting people. I'm going to organise a Zoom party for all my friends or I'm really good at food and I'm going to organise some food drops or <clears throat> acts of service. So yeah, it does bring out, um, you know, what you crave in crisis when you're experiencing that. Yeah, I love that. It's so funny, like with the love languages, it shows up in so many different like themes and topics. So like, I love that mm-hmm. even with grief, it comes into play as well. Um, that's amazing. Oh man, this is like, this is such a, like, it's such a deep topic and I feel like it can, it can be heavy. And at the same time, I feel like this is why people avoid it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Heavy. But you know, we're, none of us are going to avoid experiencing it. And yeah. that's why I just, I'm just so passionate about having these conversations because nobody's going to avoid it. It's, it's going to happen to every single person. So we need to educate each other on how to support and we need to educate each other that it's okay to feel mm-hmm. this way. And um, there are other cultures that do it, you know, so completely different to us. And I think that's, you know, that's a reflection in, in that knowing that we're going to get, and not to not fear it either. You know, we only feel all these things and everything because we're taught in our particular society where you brought up to feel that way when someone dies and there are other cultures that celebrate it and celebrate Mm -hmm. it for months on end and celebrate their life and through tears and laughter and do all those things and support the widow through you know entire years and um and but for us we're like no be strong be a man do this do that um and and get on with it just get on with it you know you shouldn't be feeling this way five ten twenty years on you should but the truth is people aren't replaceable you know we're still we can still we love them every day so we can still miss them every day that's Mm -hmm. that's normal but it's what we do 
with that love and it's what we do with that grief that affects our you know capacity for happiness and I just knew I just you know it was a fall on my knees in the middle of the night moment where I just went I cannot live my life in survival mode anymore Mm. I just cannot be surviving dealing with this grief putting on a strong mask and happy face daily knowing that there's something there that I need to process and the lifting and the lightness that you feel once you've done that work, it, um, it's truly amazing and powerful. Mm. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. such a gift to the people around you because it's, it's not about fixing people. Grief is not about fixing people and, 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 and making them better. Mm. It's about support and acknowledgement. And when you've done that um, grief work yourself and you've processed that, then you can be the light for others and people can, you know, you, you're so much of more value to everybody else around you. Mm, mm. That's amazing. And so it sounds like, um, like community support, doing the work already can, it's like, it's, it's what's needed. Um, and so for people who are looking for resources, like where would you direct them to? Yeah, I think there's lots of grief um, communities online that may be specific to your loss. So, you know, if it's a pregnancy support, pregnancy loss group or infant loss or um, widow support, things like that, parent loss, it's there's there's plenty of um, groups on there that you can be a part of. And it's just, you know, it took me a while to find ones that I, you know, um, felt comfortable with. And um, that's where I found a lot of my support in the beginning and more purpose for me to start that here because uh, everywhere I was finding was overseas and there were there were there wasn't the support groups here in Australia and so my gifts from grief community was um, born out of you know uh, being that there for, for people here and has now just you know spread worldwide as well but it's it's about yeah, just just getting on there and finding somewhere that you feel heard and acknowledged and um, and it's also something that, you're aware of of it's a group that um, is moving through stuff and it's not staying that you know there's a danger in some groups where um, people feel safe because they're just they can just stay in their grief and they can um, mm-hmm. hear each other but um, there's no kind of upliftingness about it does that make sense um where you know I was a part of a few where I just felt depressed every time I was on there and there was no hope that's the Mm. word I'm looking for find somewhere that gives you hope and and where there's people that have walked maybe you know a few years ahead of where you are now so that you can provide some hope for that for other people that come and join the group and say hey you know I know how you're feeling and I was feeling that in that stage as well and so you're just acknowledging them for where they're at yeah Mm. That's amazing. So how can people learn more about you and uh, follow your work? Yeah, sure. So Rachel Pope is my personal profile where I do a lot of work on there and reach out to people and Gifts from Grief is the name of my book mm-hmm. and the name of my community as well on Facebook and Instagram is, is Gifts from Grief. And, um, yeah, we, we have a lot of people in there that support each other and, um, and I direct people to resources on there as well. So, and my book is available on Amazon, uh, Gifts from Grief, Rachel Pope, and uh, here in Australia through my website as well as Gifts from Grief. Amazing. I'll put Thank all the links. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll put them all in the show notes. Um, I actually really like, 
I forget because I'm I'm not a mom, but it's like miscarriages. It's it's a huge one that people don't really talk about. Um, uh, it's it is yeah. It's it's something that nobody talks about, and even more so infant loss when mm. um, when people have lost a baby or a small child. It's definitely something that they feel very isolated in, um, and they get told a whole heap of things that aren't you know very helpful at all. So. Yeah, we support all, all kinds of grief in, in that community too. Oh, amazing. Okay, so I'll definitely mm-hmm. share the Facebook group um, and all the links so people can find you. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's been so enlightening. It's like, it's actually helped me to even like understand grief more. And so I just so appreciate your work and your time. Thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate being here and, and sharing this message. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, For the listeners, if this has resonated, please share and you can tag both of us, uh, Rachel Pope and I on Instagram. All the links are in the show notes and uh, please follow Rachel and her amazing work. All right. Thank you so much. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Emergence podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and thank you in advance for sharing this with others who can benefit. Until next time.